Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, presented by Living Stream Ministry. These life studies explore every book in the Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. These messages unveil how the scriptures can be living and more than mere doctrine to man. Today, we bring you recorded excerpts of Witness Lee's original speaking, along with some of our own comments and thoughts. If you have questions, please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. In the opening chapter of the Gospel of Luke, there is the account of two miraculous conceptions. First, John the Baptist was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth, who both being well advanced in age were beyond any hope of conceiving a child short of the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. The other conception, of course, was that of the Lord Jesus, who also was conceived in a miraculous way. But the conception of Jesus involved much more than mere divine power, because it brought forth the mingling of two natures, the divine and human, to produce not just a unique man, as John the Baptist surely was, but a God-man who became our Savior, the man-Savior Jesus. John's father, Zachariah, saw much of what was involved in this greatest of all miracles, and we will look at it in his prophecy on our life study today. Bob Danker has joined us once again. Bob, welcome back to the program. It's good to be back, Chris, and this is a wonderful way to begin the Gospel of Luke, our program series on this gospel in the New Testament, to look at this wonderful person, the Lord Jesus, who is both divine and human. He is the mingling of divinity with humanity. And this one is our Savior. Mm. Bob, this program somewhat continues in that we pick up the third of these three marvelous speakings that are found in the very first chapter of Luke. It's a long chapter, one of the longest in the New Testament, if not the whole Bible. The first of these three was by Elizabeth, John's mother, and a kind of blessing that she spoke, wonderful blessing, very touching. And then, of course, we have the wonderful praise by Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. And now today we will spend some time to consider the prophecy offered by Zechariah, John's father. A blessing, a praise, and a prophecy. All three are marvelous, aren't they, Bob? Yes, they are, Chris, and they do reveal quite much about this wonderful person, Jesus Christ. Bob, why don't you review a little bit Elizabeth's blessing and Mary's praise? Okay, uh, Chris, uh, after Mary had received the word of the angel that she would be the mother of the Lord. She went to see her relative, Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth was also to be the object of a miraculous conception, as you mentioned, the conception of John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of the Lord as the man Savior. So Mary went to visit Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard the sound of Mary's greeting, the little child in her womb, this was John the Baptist, He jumped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she gave forth this blessing that we see here in chapter 1 of Luke, verses 41 through 45. And here, in Elizabeth's blessing, we see two references to Christ. In verse 42, Elizabeth refers to Christ as the fruit of Mary's womb. Here, the word fruit really refers to the offspring or the one who was to be born, 
of the Virgin Mary. This fruit surely is a human being because he is the child of Mary who was human. Mm -hmm. So this refers to the humanity of Jesus, the man's Savior. Then in the next verse, Elizabeth says to Mary that Mary is the mother of Elizabeth's Lord. Right. So in referring to the child born of Mary as the Lord of Elizabeth, Elizabeth surely was admitting that this child is God himself. He has the deity. He has divinity, the divine nature, as well as the human nature. So this is a marvelous unveiling of this child, Jesus, as both God and man, as both divine and human. In fact, the mingling Mm -hmm. of divinity and humanity. And then after Elizabeth's blessing, then Mary also gave forth a praise to God. And she said that her soul magnified the Lord and her spirit exalted in God her Savior. And she spoke concerning God's mercy and his compassion on his people. But in her praise, Mary didn't mention anything about the child who was to be born of her. So her praise is full of quotations of the Scripture, which indicates that Mary was a godly woman who was full of the knowledge of the Word of God. And this shows us that the Lord Jesus was to be born of such a woman and that he, being raised by a woman like Mary who knew God's Word, he himself also would be full of the knowledge of the Scriptures. And as we see through the Gospels, this confirms many times the Lord knew the Scriptures in such a marvelous way. Surely, part of his knowledge or the background for his knowledge was his mother Mary. She was a godly woman, Mm. full of the Word. Well, now we come, Bob, to the third of these three, uh, this set of three, really. And this is uh, not a not a blessing, as was spoken by Elizabeth, not a praise, as spoken by Mary, but Zechariah offers forth a prophecy concerning this one who is coming. And let's look at these verses in chapter 1, beginning at verse 67. And Zechariah, his father, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and accomplished redemption for his people, and raised a horn of salvation for us in the house of David his servant, even as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to accomplish mercy with our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, having been delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you also, little child, shall be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the merciful compassions of our God, in which the rising sun will visit us from on high, to shine upon those sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Marvelous prophecy, Bob. There's an interesting preface to this prophecy, and that is the matter of Zechariah having had become mute for a period of time following his initial encounter with the angel of Jehovah, Gabriel. 
course, Gabriel first announced to Zechariah that he and his wife Elizabeth were about to bear this very significant child. But Zechariah somewhat scoffed at his speaking uh, because he was very much aware of uh, their condition and that they were well past age of uh, expecting to have a child. And as a result of this, uh, he suffered a consequence, didn't he? He did, Chris. The angel, of course, spoke a word to Zechariah, and this was God's word because the angel was sent by God. And Zechariah should have believed that word and received it as the word of God. But Zechariah paid too much attention to his own condition and the condition of his wife. So he doubted the word of the angel. And as a consequence, the angel said, because you didn't believe my word, then you will be silent until the things that I spoke about come to pass. So it was that Zechariah was silent until after his son, John, was born. And even when the people asked, what will be the name of this child? Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, the mother, said his name should be John. But they said, why should it be John? Because no one in your family has that name. And so they went to Zechariah and asked him, what will the name of the child be? And Zechariah wrote on a tablet saying that, the child's name indeed would be John. So at that very point, Zechariah's tongue was loosed from his dumbness, from his silence, and he spoke forth this marvelous prophecy uh, being filled with the Spirit concerning the person and the work of Christ. Well, let's get to Witness Lee's portion today. I'm looking forward to this, Bob. Zechariah's prophecy was no doubt, by the Spirit. Concerning, listen, God's redemptive move for his people unto their salvation. The long prophecy is on God's move. And that move is the move of God's redemption for his people resulting in their salvation. By what way? By raising Christ as a horn of salvation in the house of David. The horn of salvation means the fighting power of God's salvation in the house of David, in the human house. This indicates this salvation was in his humanity. And also as the rising sun from on high, not from the house of David, from on high, that means from God's end in his deity. So, by this you can see Zechariah's praise was concerning Christ's humanity and his deity. In his humanity, he was a horn of salvation raised up by God in a human house, the house of David. Concerning his deity, he was the rising sun from the heavens, from God's end. One is from the man's house, and the other is from God's place. See, he was both man and God. As a man, he was a horn of salvation 
As God, He was the rising sun, the sun early in the morning. Bob, in this tremendous uh, speaking by Zechariah, though it did maintain some of the Old Testament flavor and style, the content is marvelous, as we've just seen now, because it reveals Christ's dual nature and his dual status in a way that is very outstanding and really elevates this speaking to another plane, doesn't it? That's right, Chris. In Zechariah's word, we can see a marvelous unveiling of the excellent person of Christ. Here we can see that God is now moving to accomplish redemption for his people that will result in their salvation. And Zechariah mentions this clearly in his prophecy. Right. Redemption resulting in salvation. This is marvelous. And in order to accomplish redemption for his people, to save them, God moved in a certain way. He moved to raise up Christ. He raised up Christ first as a horn of salvation in the house of David. This is a clear reference to the humanity of Jesus Mm -hmm. because here the source of this horn of salvation is a human house, the house of David. But then he also, later in his prophecy, he refers to Christ as the rising sun from on high from another source, right? the rising sun. This is Christ raised up to shine with a divine illuminating light over God's people. And this time, the source of Christ is not a human house, but it's the heavens from on high, from the place where God is. This is a reference to the deity of Christ. So Christ has two natures, divinity and humanity. And in him, these two natures are mingled together in one person. Yet they are not confused. They do not produce a third nature. They remain distinct, divinity and humanity. Yet they are mingled together in this wonderful person, Jesus Christ. Now, this person is the one who accomplished redemption in his humanity and the one who saves us fully in his divinity by his divine life, as revealed Mm. in the entire New Testament. What we see in the New Testament, including the Gospels and the revelation that's conveyed to us in the epistles, is just this person, Christ, with two natures, Mm. plus his excellent work of redemption issuing in salvation for God's people. And Zechariah, in his brief and enlightening prophecy— unveils this marvelous person and his work right. to carry out God's move to fulfill his eternal purpose. Yeah, I like uh, this word move, God's move. What's accounted here, what's uh, prophesied here is not some random acts of God that will, of course, have a desired effect or result, but a move that God has purposed and now is executing to accomplish something. And that the fact that Zechariah was touching key points in this move of God to me is really outstanding and marvelous. Actually, it will get a little more developed in this coming section. Let's go back to Witness Lee. God's redemptive work was by raising Christ as two things, as the heart of salvation and as the rising sin. And God's redemptive work was through God's mercy according to his holy covenant. His holy covenant 
was his promise, his faithful word, this prophecy bringing more light concerning the divine human person and saving work of the man Savior, much more than the blessing of Elizabeth and the praise of Mary. You have to see the uh, comparison of these three things. Mary's praise, that means the mother of the Savior's praise, and the Elizabeth's blessing, the blessing of John's mother, and uh, the prophecy of John's father. The three things, one blessing, one praise, one prophecy. You compare the three things, you could see in uh, Zechariah's prophecy, there's much more light shared over God's move on this earth because in this prophecy, much more of Christ is revealed concerning his divine human person and concerning his saving work. Well, Bob, now we have somewhat a comparison of these three speakings, the prophecy by John's father, Zechariah, and the blessing spoken by his mother, Elizabeth, and the praise that we looked at earlier offered by Mary, the Lord's mother. But John's father, Zechariah, touches a number of very high points, as we said before, in the move of God on the earth, not the least of which was this covenant that he referred to. And of course, this is the covenant God makes to Abraham. Let's talk about how this ties in. As you mentioned earlier, Chris, this was not a random activity of God here to raise up Christ to accomplish redemption and salvation. This was a move of God, a deliberate, definite move, according to a covenant which God had made before with Abraham, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned. This is, and this was mentioned in Zechariah's prophecy here. He refers to the covenant. What God did here was to fulfill the covenant that he made with Abraham. And the covenant God made with Abraham was actually related to God's eternal purpose, which God made in eternity past. And that covenant, as you recall in the book of Genesis, was that God would bless Abraham, would multiply his seed Mm -hmm. like the stars of heaven and the sand of the seashore, and that God would bless all the nations through Abraham's seed. This promise of God that he made to Abraham in Genesis 22 became an oath. God swore Mm -hmm. to Abraham that he would do this thing. And here in the beginning of the New Testament, God is actually moving to carry out this covenant. Of course, the seed that God referred to here was Christ. If we read Galatians chapter 3, we see that the seed of Abraham is Christ himself, through whom God would bless all the nations of this earth. So in raising up Christ here, God was fulfilling his covenant with Abraham. Well, Bob, we have uh, just a couple of minutes left, a short section ahead. We jump now really to the end of this chapter, and the last verse says, And the little child, now referring to John the Baptist, grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his presentation to Israel. Uh, This one, John the Baptist, in his life, in his youth, is the topic of our final portion. Let's go back to Witness Lee. 
young, was growing, and becoming strong in spirit. You know, his father and his mother both lived as persons in the spirit. No doubt, they would have uh, affected their boy very much to grow up strong in spirit. Now, concerning John living in the wilderness, this is strange. He was a priest, and born a priest. He should live in a temple, right? As Samuel did. You know, Samuel, after he was born, he was growing and raised up in the temple. But uh, that Nazarite lived that way. But this Nazarite, the New Testament Nazarite, lived this way. Which way? Not in temple, but in the wilderness. Wilderness means a place without culture, without tradition. I would even say without religion, right? Without anything human there. He was living in a wilderness until presenting himself to Israel. By living in the wilderness, he cut off the entire background. He was a Jew, but he didn't live as a Jew. He was a priest, but he didn't live as a priest. Well, Bob, this is very interesting. I wish we had more time to explore it, but we do have a couple of minutes here. Here was John the Baptist, the forerunner, the one announcing, and even the one that inaugurates, uh, in, or at least participates in the inauguration of the man-savior, yet he didn't live like uh, any of the religious figures of the day. He was born of a, of a priest uh, in the line of the priesthood and should have thereby lived in the temple, but he's out in the wilderness, and uh, he didn't live the life of a typical Nazarite, yet we know he was a Nazarite, and he didn't even live according to the uh, traditions of a typical Jew, did he? He surely didn't, Chris. In fact, he was anything but in that line. It says here that John was strong in his spirit. That means John was separated to God and for God's use to introduce the man-savior, Jesus. And John lived in a way that was completely outside of the old Jewish religion with all its culture, traditions, and so forth. This indicates that God wanted to introduce a new age or a new dispensation. In this dispensation, Christ is the center, and he is actually everything Mm -hmm. in the New Testament age. He is the Redeemer. He is the salvation. He is everything that God wants to accomplish for his people and to give to his people. And so God caused John to live a life outside of everything old, the old religion, the old culture, the old tradition, so that he could make John a useful vessel to introduce this coming one who would be the center and the content of the entire New Testament age. Mm. Bob, we have covered a lot of ground. This has been quite a full uh, program today, some tremendous points, but I enjoyed the uh, entire time we had together and look forward to our next opportunity to have this kind of fellowship. I feel the same way, Chris. This was marvelous. Well, we also hope that uh, you look forward to our next time to come together as we continue to plow through these tremendous early portions of the life study of the Gospel of Luke. And we're seeing Luke unfolded in 
just a marvelous way, day by day. So please join us for that. Before we go, I'd like to give you our toll-free number and invite your comments, uh, your questions, inquiries, uh, and find out how to receive the printed material that goes along with these Life Study programs. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can send email to us. Just send it to radio at lsm.org. Do try to join us for as many of these programs in the Life Study of Luke as you are able. We're really uh, having a treat day by day getting these uh, marvelous messages and seeing these verses that we thought we knew unfolded afresh. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.